Rise and shine, everybody. It's time to wake up with Susan. I'm your host, Susan Sutherland, and this week we're just going to jump right in because I'm doing scary things. This is my cannonball into the cold water. So here we go. Um, This week is about surrender and not surrender at the first nudge or the second nudge or the third nudge. I wait on nudges to become knocks and knocks to become banging and banging to like break the door down before sometimes I listen because I have a huge fear of judgment. And if you know me personally, you will know that I am a cartwheel down the vegetable can aisle in the grocery store kind of a girl. I will dance silly and with wild abandon anywhere I am. I don't really care about people's judgment in that way, but I have really struggled to speak my truth and share my story for fear of judgment, particularly judgment from Christians. And now that I'm piecing together things and looking back, I can see where some things have shown up for me, why I would feel this way. But I want to share where I came from and what I believe now. And the reason I'm sharing this is not to convince, convert, not to make you see things my way, but to encourage you to look within for your answers, for your truth. Did you know that core beliefs are established in people by the time they're seven years old? Which means your core beliefs were given to you by others. They were taught to you by those around you. Often in a very loving way where you're like, of course I believe it. They love me. They want what's best for me. So I believe what they told me to. But all I'm asking you to do is take the time to look within. Because even if you came to the same conclusion that you were taught, the connection you will get from making that decision yourself, from coming into yourself to find the answers, is incredible. So what happened for me last week is I was in meditation and information came through to me about a podcaster that I listened to. And she's had a chronic cough for quite some time. And it came through that hers is not a medical issue. She had this difficult relationship that was dissolving. I think it was a business relationship. But the thing is, is she couldn't talk about it. There was a legal order in place where she couldn't speak about it. And her whole job is to speak her truth. But in this area, because of this legal agreement, she could not share what was going on. And that manifested into her throat chakra, not speaking her truth. And now she is working through this chronic cough. And so that came through to me and I was like, okay, I'll message this person I don't know and give them the information, hoping she can you know, get some help with it. And I did it. Um, I sent the message. <clears throat> and then the next day, I have this, this buildup in my throat, like a frog in my throat. And I cleared my throat like a hundred times. And when I work on people with intuitive Reiki, a lot of times I will feel what's going on in their body. I feel it in my body. It's how spirit will help me identify what we're working on. It's a tool of communication. But I had already delivered the message, right? And so the following day, I still have this 
frog in my throat. And I had a session with my coach and we start talking about, you know, my progress, what I'm working to. I've been shown things that are down my road and I know I have to keep making steps forward, making progress, but I find it very hard to share on social media. And I've been trying, I've been trying to share on Instagram and even TikTok, what in the world, Um, but it is really challenging for me. And we talked about it and I told her I have this fear of judgment. And that's when I realized they showed me this other person because she wasn't speaking her truth. And that is why she has had these issues in her throat. And so now they were just giving me the information in advance. Hey, this is coming for you. You have to speak your truth. So anyway, that's that's when the nudges get um, more like push, because if I clear my throat anymore, Mark's going to clear it for me. So here we are. I'm doing hard things. Today, I'm going to share with you how I was raised, what my experience was, and then what I believe now. Again, not with the intention to convince you, just with the intention Because all of those nudges that came to me earlier were people that didn't feel like they fit in. They felt excluded or marginalized by the church they grew up in, or they had bad experiences, or they felt like they couldn't explore different things because of all of the rules and parameters and fear built into what they were taught to believe. So I had repeatedly had these people come to me and even when, when it occurred to me, when I was given the message that I'll learn Reiki was at a tennis tournament and I was speaking with someone and she said, like, I I can't even imagine now when I think back on this conversation and I remember exactly where I was standing and who I was speaking with and the whole conversation, but I can't think of how I was led, like how this transpired. But she said to me, would you ever have Reiki done? And then said, I don't need Reiki. I have Jesus. And I said nothing. I I didn't counter like why I thought that was weird and wrong. But I did hear the message, you will learn Reiki. And that is kind of what triggered me to go home and really, I, I had a couple sessions with a local healer, and then I started my journey trying to figure out how I was going to study it, because that's the message I received. Anyway, I wasn't sharp enough to realize at that time that the other piece was imperative too, that that the either or that she communicated, that if you do this, you can't do this, would be part of my journey as well. Um, but I know that now. So here we are. So I've got a frog in my throat. I've got to get it out. I have to speak my truth and let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> but I hope, I just hope that a couple people hear and feel safe in their own exploration because of this. So let me start first with my personal experience growing up. And I don't have a crazy church story to share. I grew up in the United Methodist Church. We were regular attendees. I participated in the youth program. 
And when I struggled in high school, and I, I don't mean like a little struggle in high school. I mean, like inpatient facility struggle in high school because I didn't know then, but I was feeling people's feelings and feeling people's emotions then. And if you're picking up other people's stuff, a high school is probably not where you want to be. But there was no diagnosis for that. They were doing test after test after test, trying to figure out what is wrong with me. And and there was nothing. We couldn't come up with anything. But through that, one of the closest people in my life was our associate pastor. He was a former Green Beret, motorcycle riding outsider. And he took me under his wing and he cared for me so dearly. And I am forever indebted to how he nurtured me when I felt unlovable. I could cry just thinking about him. Anyway, shortly after I got through that roller coaster and made it out onto the other side to where I wasn't feeling great, but I could get through days. My mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer and she lived for seven more months. And through that time, the church lifted her up, supported her, lifted up my whole family. Like they were amazing. And not long after she passed away, my dad moved out of Concord and nobody lives there. And so we don't have a ton of contact with Concord, but through social media, we are able to keep up with some. Well, my dad's not on social media, but a couple of years ago when I posted almost not quite two years ago, but his stage four diagnosis, those same, that same church family made him a prayer shawl and added him to the prayer list. And I feel their love. So I can't, I can't say like, I'm from this whacked up church upbringing. That's not the case. It was a church of love. Whew. So after that, um, as a grown up, I mean, after that, I'll say if, if you go through, severe clinical depression in your teenage years and lose your mom, you're going to have a lot of questions to be answered. I think that's normal. <laughs> like I had a lot of things that didn't add up for me that I was really trying to find answers to. But I found some churches. I went to Bible study, um, all with great people. Still had more questions. My children went to church preschool. They were loved and cared for and nurtured by the most wonderful teachers and staff in the world. Like it was the best experience. So again, I have nothing bad to say. I just still had questions. And a lot of, I'll tell you where my questions come from. A lot of them come from not God, not Jesus, but the people who use the Bible to hurt others, to degrade others, to marginalize others. And it really, the hypocrisy, it used to anger me, but it, it sat in my stomach and it hurt me because it's not how I read Jesus's teachings. And I didn't understand. And I didn't understand how there's only one way to this ultimate divine creator. 
Because if on the cross, Jesus would ask for forgiveness from for those who are persecuting him, then would he then really say 70% of the world's population will not have keys to heaven? Like none of that added up for me. So I'm just telling you the questions I had. They might be the same ones you have. They might be totally different. I'm just saying I had questions. It wasn't adding up. And when I left the hustle lifestyle, and I call the hustle lifestyle when, when you, and I w- I was, I was good at the hustle lifestyle. Like, let's see how much I can accomplish in a day. And I was good at it. Like I could do all the things. Um, but I left that and I started finding stillness and I rekindled my love of reading and I read several books a week. I love it. I love my spiritual practice, which includes meditation and prayer. Um, but when I started going within is when I got answers. And I don't have all the answers, right? I'm still seeking and I am still open to learning. And I think that curiosity is is what we're we're supposed to have. Okay, so let me tell you what I believe and what I don't believe. Just because this is what my coach told me, actually, for my fear of doing this. She said, if you had the greatest, biggest nose in the whole wide world, but when you entered a a room, you made a joke about your nose, it takes the venom away from other people's jokes. And I immediately thought of Ross Perot, right? He called out his big ears and then... Like it became endearing because it's like, here he did it. So there doesn't have to be any more questions about like, oh, she was raised Christian. What is she doing? I'm putting it out there. That's what I believe. Here we go. Do I believe in Jesus? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I believe he showed us the enlightened state. What is possible? He showed us divine perfection on earth. Do I believe he is the son of God? Yes. But I also believe you are the son of God. I also believe I'm the daughter of God. Actually, it's really tricky because I see us as divine masculine and divine feminine. And so kind of identifying in this female form feels like, I I think in the Course of Miracles, they identify as like, seeing the frame and not the picture. And so all this, all this buildup about gender and sexuality or whatever is totally missing the point that we are divine beings and that looking at someone and seeing their divinity means you look past all of the other things that we're making such a big deal about. And I think that is what Jesus was teaching us. And I think Jesus wanted you to know that you have the divinity within you. Like everything I can do, you can do too. Um, but this is how I see it. Like, do I think he was your savior? No, I, I don't because I don't think you need one. I think you also have the God within. Now, this is what I believe. Okay. Um, this is how I see it. The other day, I called home and I spoke to Dashiell, my oldest child, and I said, before I get home, I need you guys, three children, to 
clean up the litter boxes. Clear as day. When I got home later that evening, I know that the message that was spoken was, Brecken, mom said you need to clean the litter boxes. And why I tell you that is because the message came in clearly, but it came into people who can manipulate it and use it for control and political gain. And that's true of my son, who's a great person, but he saw an opportunity to gain control of a situation and he used it. And so I see that a lot in the Bible. And so the way I see it is how they teach in A Course in Miracles, which is not a, I don't see it as a Christian book. I see it as an all religion book. It is for everyone because it teaches that the core of all of us is love. So how I see it is there's love and there's fear. And if it comes and it looks like judgment, if it looks like um, one soul is somehow better than another soul, or that you should even try to control someone else, um, then you are not honoring the divinity within them. We have done such a disservice by weaponizing religion and faith to where religion has caused the most deaths of anything in the, in the whole wide world through wars and battles and um, created the most separation. And if we can see it as a return to love, a return to the divinity that is within each and every one of us, it welcomes back everyone. I don't think there is a, a person here that is not a per person on this whole planet that is not welcomed back on the other side. Now, I think there's life review and there's going to be some answering for maybe some of the things that happened. but. I can't even say I believe in an afterlife because I believe you were there first. Like you were there. So that is not after this. It was also before this. So I don't know what, what to call it other than a return home and nobody got a one way ticket. And so if you find that connection, if you can go within and find the divinity and choose to see that divinity in others. We are all better. And it doesn't matter if you are in a loving church home and you get to find that connection, that divinity, that unity, that community. That's beautiful. If you find it in a synagogue or a mosque, that's beautiful. But start seeing it also in the other people who are finding it different places because there's their divinity within is the same as yours. You're not better for what you believe. They're not worse for the, what they believe. And if they believe nothing at all, may I just ask, if you do not have a religion you subscribe to, know that inside of you, is a big orb of love. And if you can subscribe to that, it's enough. It's enough to know that you are made of perfect love energy. And, and as you grow that, as you expand your love energy, miracles happen. Your life gets better. You find flow. You find joy. Your relationships improve. 
So you don't have to pray to this or pray to that or attend this. You have to find love and grow love. And in doing so, your experience on earth will improve. One of the most beautiful books I read this summer was The Book of Joy. And it is by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And it is a lovely story where they're interviewed and they answer questions about compassion. And they kind of joke around with each other like, you know, the Dalai Lama says, well, I'm not going to get into your heaven. Um, but it is such a, a book of understanding and respecting somebody else's choice and way to connection. They know that the other one has a heart of love and compassion, and they respect that even if their practice looks different. And they meditated with each other and they shared communion with each other and they respected how each of them chooses to connect with all that is. And I think that's really beautiful. Get that book a read. It's amazing. But how I see it too is that we are all connected. And so I want you to know that I honor the light in you. And however you choose, To connect, I respect. I see it as, actually somebody brought this to my attention and I'm just going to expand on it, but we are all droplets in the ocean, right? We are all droplets in the ocean and we are all connected. And when you see it that way, you wouldn't poison a body of water that you are a part of, right? And so if you see one wave as Christianity and one wave as Buddhism, it's still all connected to the same ocean. So where I disagree with most of my upbringing is the one path to heaven. I I don't. We all have the creator within us. We all have God within us. And the amount of people who are just put off by the word God now is shocking. So I should say we all have spirit, universe, source, whatever resonates with you. Call it whatever you want. Call it whatever you want. Just know it's inside of you and it's inside of everybody else. And when we all choose to honor that and to respect that, we start to elevate the consciousness of the planet. And that's the goal, people, is to make this less dense, less heavy more light, more joy, more happiness. All right. So I guess in conclusion, I'll say, if you've struggled to find your place, if you've had questions that made you feel like, I I can't believe in Christianity because I don't believe in this, that, or the other, you can still believe in Jesus's teachings. You can still believe in Jesus's teachings and the teachings of Buddhism. You can believe whatever you want to. And within you, within you is the answers for what will resonate. And I'm still having to learn this. I am, you know, actively taking classes, taking courses and having to remember to feel into my body because there are still teachers that say things or teach in a way that doesn't resonate with me. And I am reminded all the time that I have to feel into what works for me, what suits me. So do I say you can pick and choose? Yeah, I actually do. I say you can pick and choose and you can check with your 
inner guidance system that you were given to let you know what is right. Because every human here has an ego. They can screw things up. We can all screw things up. Like me, I screw stuff up all the time. And so I'm going to tell you to take what I'm saying. Take with it what you will. If it sits well with you, great. If it doesn't, it's not for you. That's cool. I respect you for that. But regardless of why you've you've taken steps away, or maybe not even thought about it at all, maybe just accepted what was handed to you and never pondered it, I'm inviting you to sit with it. I'm inviting you to find some quiet on a nature trail or sitting in your backyard and ask some questions, journal some answers, pray with your questions, meditate to hear your answers, or just allow the conversation to happen so that you start feeling into what works for you. Because I think so many people have left a spiritual practice, a connection practice, because they have been turned off by what is out there, the the politicizing of religion. And I invite you to come back because you can do it your way. You are a powerful being. You are a creator. And you get to navigate your life with your navigation system and find what works for you. And I hope that it doesn't take long for you to see that inside of you is love, all love. And that is yours to grow and to share.